Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Happy to be with you again as we continue to break down the 2021 New York City election cycle. We are processing the results of the primaries as the Board of Elections continues to count the votes towards the final certification. But in virtually every race of the primaries, we know the winner at this point, and we continue to talk about what happened, what it all means, and where we're heading next. In just a minute, you're going to hear my new conversation conversation with Queensboro President Donovan Richards coming back to the show to discuss what happened in his primary where he won a very narrow victory over former city council member Elizabeth Crowley in a bit of a rematch from last year's special election when Richards first won the seat of Queensboro president. He only took office in the borough-wide post in December of 2020 and basically had to quickly turn around and run again for re-election here in 2021 with the primaries that occurred in June. We're still moving towards the final certification of the elections, but we know that Richards will win the seat, move on to the general election where he'll be heavily favored to win a full term as Queensborough president. So we talked with Richards about what happened in the primary, what he learned from it, how he won, where he's heading, and some of his thoughts on some of the biggest challenges facing Queens and the city. Also notable, Donovan Richards was an endorser of Eric Adams in the mayoral primary, and we get into that a little bit with him towards the end of the interview about what that might mean for Queens and what Richards' hopes are for the potential Adams mayoralty, where Adams is also favored heavily in the general election, given the Democratic enrollment advantage across the city and in virtually every borough and every race as we continue to look ahead to what might happen here in the general election and the next class of city government that will be seated come January. Here's my interview with Queensboro President Donovan Richards. And now we welcome to Max Politics, Queensboro President Donovan Richards. Borough President Richards, thanks so much for joining me again. Always great to see you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's my, my father's 59th birthday and I, you know. <laughs> Happy birthday <laughs> so, to him. Good okay. day for to <laughs> be on the show and I right, try to catch him early this morning, but I will catch him sometime today. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. All right. Well, happy birthday to him. So you took office as Queensborough president in December 2020, obviously uh, amidst so much going on in New York City and the world. Uh, you had to very quickly come and run for reelection here. You had a very tight, contentious primary that we just got through. You've won. Um how are you feeling about, you know, getting a shot here? You know, you have to win the general election, of course, but that's expected to be a much easier election than the primary. How are you feeling here about getting through this primary, winning again so so soon after winning the, the special election that you had and, um, you know, getting that sort of vote of confidence in a very tight election here again? So, so many emotions wrapped around it, Ben. Um, but one of the things I will say is that we have unfinished business. You know, looking back at how COVID uh, impacted the entire borough, how we lost thousands of residents, how our small businesses are still struggling, how people are struggling with their rent, um, how we got to make sure we have a healthcare system that's functioning and accessible to everyone. There's still so much unfinished business to be done. That's that's sort of the way I've been framing and thinking about this. And we got to continue to get to work. That was our theme um, coming in um, when we ran and won in the first 
uh, in the special election. And we're not going to stop hitting the ground running until we build a Queens that truly does work for everyone. Why do you think this election was so close? So you, in the in the initial uh, tally of votes, you and Elizabeth Crowley, the former city council member, um, were separated uh, by a little over 100 votes. Um, and then once the ranked choice runoff occurred, again, these are not totally final numbers, but but they're pretty close to final. Um, we're looking at a difference of about a thousand votes. Why do you think this was so close? And and does it send you a message about anything you need to do to sort of build bridges across the borough where um, you know your opponents did did better than you? Well, let me start with saying most people forget the first election was relatively close yes. too. I mean, we won by seven percent in an eight person race, um, um, just about. So you know, we never. Um, ran with this notion. It was sort of like the pundits who framed it like, he's going to knock it out the park. Um, But we also knew that um, there was still a lot of people hurting in the streets, um, that this is relatively, when you look at the first race and you look at the demographic maps of where I won, um, it was clear that there was still, as diverse as we are a borough, still a lot of um, division (laughs) in the borough. And I think that's the best way to put it. And we really did spend a lot of our time uh, in the first six months, you know, building, doing outreach to other parts of the borough, you know, standing up on issues, whether it was um, vaccine equity, ensuring every part of the borough gets access to vaccines, you know, community board reform, which was also a big one um, because we needed to make sure there was more diversity um, in our community boards. Um, when you think about open streets, so we, we relatively didn't come in saying, well, we're from Southeast Queens. We're just going to cater to Southeast Queens. And of mm-hmm. course, home is home. I will never forget home. Mm-hmm. But the office relatively good, did a great job at making sure that PPE, the push for more vaccines sites across the borough was, was actually happening. Um, so the, 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 also one of the things that was a disadvantage to, to a degree for us is, you know, it's different being on Zoom talking to constituents, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So we really were cheated out of the opportunity to really be at civic association halls and meeting people in the streets because of the pandemic. So I, I feel now that the um, borough is opening up, the city's opening up, it's going to give me a chance to actually get out into corners of the borough who people may relatively just have their judgments of me um, based on what they heard. Um, but now being able to get in front of uh, those communities, I think will will make a lot of headway moving into the next week. Right, you ba- you basically had to start running again as soon as you took office. I mean, taking office in December and running in a in a June primary means the election just restarts basically. So this there wasn't there wasn't even too much time to make an impression on voters, especially when you're doing it by Zoom, as you point out. Um, but but say a little bit more about what you see in these primary results um, as you just think about being an elected official, being a politician who is now borough-wide, how do you think about issues that seem to be important to people across the borough that you are thinking about speaking to more or looking at more closely that were raised in this in this primary? Are there things that Elizabeth Crowley voters or Jimmy Van Bramer voters raise that you are now thinking about, okay, these are things I really need to, to you know, 
show people I'm paying more attention to, or is it, or is it not about that? And it's much more about demographics and uh, people's home home field advantage, so to speak. You know, how are you thinking about the results that you see here a little bit, a little so bit? When I, when, yeah, when I'm across the borough, I mean, quality of life is is key, right? And you know, yesterday I was down in Bell Rose with State Senator John Lou, you know, uh, rallying with him and elected officials over a broken sidewalk that weren't fixed since a tropical storm like <laughs> last year. Right, right. Um, when you think about education, you know, ensuring that our kids and, you know, as a father, and I know you're a new father as well, you know, ensuring that our kids could get back into the schools in a safe manner come September, being that, you know, most of us, they will not be on Zoom, God willing. <laughs> um, you know, when you think about safety, right? And I think, you know, one of the things that Liz did in this race um, was she really pushed the defund message, right? And, um, you know, for those of you who know me and follow my work in public safety, you know, you'll know that I've never really got attached to any slogans that, you know, violence is personal to me. I had a friend who was murdered. That's why I'm here. You know, when I was 18, my friend was shot and killed. He was a 19-year-old young man from my community, just as bright as me, had a bright future ahead of him, and unfortunately lost his life to to gun violence. So this has really been my life's mission. But, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, we should not take um, the Republican playbook when we're talking about safety. You know, this is personal to folks in my community. You know, I was at Justin Wallace's funeral of 10 years old, black boy. So the gangs are going to be breeding grounds for these young people, getting killed across the and trying to get a job to these young people's hands and not guns. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about uh, vaccination rates, housing and a couple other things here. But, but, but before we move off sort of the, the issues of the primary as you were declaring victory, you said that Elizabeth Crowley had been racist in this campaign. Can you explain that? Um, what was that uh, based on? What was the background to that? Well, there was a lot of dog whistles in this campaign. I mean, and, you know, I don't I don't want to stay because it's deeper. It's bigger than Elizabeth Crowley. I think I spoke for a whole crop of candidates of color who were running um, in parts of the borough, um, especially moderate parts of the borough who were demonized who were told, um, you know, for instance, that we we will, uh, if we're in office, you know, crime will only continue to rise. You know, eviction notices being sent into parts of the borough with my name on it. But when you look at where all of these mail pieces went, they never came into black communities. So there was clearly, whether she was racist or not, an implicit bias <laughs> attached to the messaging um, and, you know, the fear mongering is something that I believe that I needed to call out and call out in a real way. Um, we can no longer mm-hmm. sweep these things under the rug. And I know, you know, there's the quorum that we all have to follow as elected officials. But at the end of the day, you know, these dog whistles impact my community. You know, when you think about George Floyd, when you think about people getting shot, I mean, I had a murder, three guys shot on the corner of my house. Um, a few months ago. You know, this is personal to me. This is not politics. So, you know, I think it's important that we call it out um, when we see it and that we don't shy away from it. And often, you know, I will be honest, as Black elected officials, we don't talk about it, right? You know, there was so much emotions baked around this election season. You know, I, I even remember Eric Adams having to open his fridge. He was crying because, come on, you know, this, mm-hmm. these are things that we encounter on a daily basis, 
sitting in these seats. Yes, we may have positions and titles, but it doesn't mean we don't encounter this racism um, on a daily basis. So whether she did it, um, uh, you know, or message a certain way, um, she may not have thought there was not anything wrong with it, nothing wrong with it. Um, that's besides the point. The point is that we need to make sure we call it out so that there are corrective actions that are taken um, in the future, especially when you're dealing with populations who are not used to being in these sort of positions, right? You know, I mean, we're just, I mean, <laughs> I come from Southeast Queens and Far Rockaway. You know, I'm the first to graduate high school and college in my family. But wondering how you're thinking now coming out of the pandemic. Um, there's a lot of talk about construction picking back up, uh, new opportunities for development, continuing issues around affordability. How are you thinking about uh, development, affordable housing coming out of this? Are there are there big projects you have in mind? Are there opportunities? Are you thinking about Sunnyside Yard? Are you thinking about places to upzone? Where, where are you at on, on this uh, important issue? Well, you know me too well. Um, well, one I want to say, um, since we've been in office, uh, and it's re relatively started to pick up a lot more now, um, we probably approved, and I know the council gets the final say-so, so I don't like to pretend, but we've probably done a little bit north of 3,000 or 4,000 units um, that come that are coming through the pipeline, a lot of it deep affordability. Um, I'm really excited about a project we're going to be doing in Astoria, by the way, um, with the Boys and Girls Club, where you're going to see um, thousands of new units of affordable housing. We put about $5 million into that project with a brand new 100,000 square foot community center. We just broke ground on Willits Point, the first phase, which is uh, a little bit north of 1,100 units of affordable housing with the school and um, some retail space and some community space. And then remember, there's still a lot in the pipeline. So it's really just about ensuring that HPD is financing a lot of uh, the things that were already in the pipeline and making sure that Queens gets its fair share. So you'll remember going back to the Rockaways, I did um, at least three major rezonings and you're talking north of 10,000 units of affordable housing. And the great thing is that those buildings are already sprouting out the ground as we speak. We'll be breaking ground for instance. I know Related has this bad reputation, but Related um, related companies did a supportive housing project with me in the Rockaways. So we're going to be cutting the ribbon on that project. Um, and Wynn will also be a part of that, Christine Quinn's organization. Mm -hmm. So um, there are a lot of good projects in the pipeline. I'm really excited about, and I, I know it probably won't happen under this administration, but you mentioned Sunnyside Yards. I mean, that's a real key opportunity to bring thousands upon thousands of units of affordable housing online, but to also look at many of, because I don't believe in just doing housing, you got to build out the wraparound services as well. Um, so schools, transportation, you know, we have an opportunity to build out a, a connector there, um, which could really play a major role in being a transportation hub. And then, you know, one of the things moving into this term I want to do is really challenge the community boards to look at sites in their communities, come up with one or two or three sites um, or uh, boulevards within your communities that you believe are right for an upzoning, right? And I think if we can get out of that some good ideas, and not just the community boards, we're going to have to work with stakeholders from around these communities, but I think there's a real key opportunity um, as Queens grows <laughs> mm -hmm. to make sure that there's more affordable housing. The last thing I'll talk about, and two things I do want to see, is the right to counsel expanded in mm -hmm. more parts of the borough. 
Um, so that's something important in community land trust which was something that I championed in the city council, passed legislation around community land trust. Happy to say that we're, uh, HPD just issued an RFEI um, for the first community land trust in Queens, which will be in my former council district um, uh, in the Rockaways, Edgemere. Um, so I'm really excited about that because I think that that's a way we can preserve land in our communities. Communities can have more of a say-so in what, what the development looks like in their communities, but also keep it affordable as well. So, so Sunnyside Yard, getting to some big vision, big project there is a priority for you? Oh, yes, uh, of yeah. the highest priority. Like I said, I, uh-huh. you know, I was just speaking with uh, Rachel Loeb from EDC last mm-hmm. week. I was like, hey, is there any chance we're going <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. move on this? But it looks like under an Adams administration, assuming he wins, we'll... We'll, we'll look at that. All right. In our last couple of minutes, I want to come back to, to, to the potential Adams administration. You were a, a, a key and high profile endorser of, of Eric Adams in his primary. Um, but just quickly, as, as former chair of the council's zoning subcommittee, I'm wondering what you made of this discussion, uh, especially during the mayoral campaign when it came up about ending single family zoning in the city, you know, in terms of, of going forward, not obviously uh, – doing away with single family homes that already exist, but, but what you made of that discussion and whether you would support a, a policy like that? Well, the, the hard part is infrastructure, right? And let, let's talk about that for a second. You know, even if you're gonna, you know, undo that and, and, and move in that direction, you know, are we talking about building more schools? Are we talking about um, investments in sewer infrastructure. So I, I, I think there are certain parts of the city right for it. Uh, I, and, I, and I also want to mention the basement pilot, right, which is mm-hmm. something that's probably not the most popular thing in parts of Queens, but people already written their basements. So how do we right. um, figure out creative ways to incentivize them bringing it up to code so we're not having these deadly fires that we know often happen? And then, you know, I think back to, like, all the parents I talk to who are like, I want my kids out of my basement. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They uh need their own spot. Um, You know, and I was one of those kids, you know, at the council. But (laughs) when I started my career in the council, but the point is, is you got to build out the affordable housing. So I think that it's something we should, we should, we can explore. But once again, having that larger conversation around what does infrastructure look like in these communities Mm -hmm. and what will be the impacts if, uh, you're not going to have a full-throated, well-thought-out plan. So I, so I think that that's, you know, where I, where I would argue. But I would say starting with, you know, the political will. We have to have political will. We have to have a Department of City Planning that's functioning and organizing and talking with communities and where we're right, where, where there's a, a, an interest or opportunity to do upzonings, we should look at it. Okay. Um, so, uh, all right, real quick, are you a Queens link or Queens way person or, or none, none of the above? What's your, uh, briefly, what's your, what's your stance on those big proposals for, uh, well, it depends which one, which one you're talking about, but, you know, sort of using rail for either transit or parkland or a combination. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to both sides. Actually, uh, what's interesting is we're going to look to convene a meeting between all parties. And I've already tasked the office to look at that come September. 
Uh, there was a recent report that the MTA put out and some of their pricing we have questions on. How did they come to the amount that they're uh, talking about to even if they wanted to activate uh, Queens Rail? And we actually just met with Queens Rail, the, the advocacy group, uh, Queens Link folks, just a few weeks ago. So I, I, I would love to see a combination. I mean, that in a perfect world, we would figure out how do we do both. And I think there's an opportunity, but this is going to be one of those times, you know, as we must show leadership and say, <laughs> we got to we got, we got to put people mm-hmm. in the room who may not agree and figure out how do we move forward. But this is a real opportunity. How do we leave this coming out of this pandemic where we're talking about we need more open space coming out of the pandemic where we're saying, you know, we want to see better transportation and less overcrowded trains and also um, job connectors. Right. Yeah. How do we ensure that we accomplish all of those things? Only way to do that is together. All right. Lastly, you endorsed Eric Adams. He uh, has been victorious here uh, in the primary, very heavily favored to win the general election, of course. What are you hoping, you know, what are what are your biggest sort of specific hopes that an Eric Adams mayoralty means for Queens? Well, I think let's just start with fair share. Uh, uh, Queens has largely never gotten its fair share <laughs> of funding resources. I'm happy to say this year, Mayor Bill de Blasio gave me more capital than other VPs. So I got to I got to toot my own horn coming in six months, <laughs> 70 million dollars later. Uh, thank you, Mayor Bill de Blasio. But I'm expecting Eric to do better for Queens. Um, and there's still a, a lot of things that, um, you know, that are outstanding. We need to see more school seats committed to Queens. We need to see the expansions of health and hospitals in Queens. We need to see infrastructure investment continued in Queens. So there's a lot to, <laughs> to chew on. Uh, and you know me, Ben, I'm never shy about asking for more. Uh, and I think I relatively did good with Bill de Blasio. But, you know, one of the things, in, in all honesty, I will say, um, different here is that Eric Adams is from here. He's, he's what I consider fugal, forest and bias. So he's, 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 he went to base out of high school. He grew up in Southeast Queens. So it's not going to be hard for him to um, understand what the plight is on the ground. For instance, he was in the, at the White House, what, uh, Monday? And then Tuesday, he was, yesterday, we were in Baisley Project Houses together. I was like, that's the sort of May I'm, that's the sort of May I'm looking for. I want you to come from the White House to the projects, <laughs> right? Right, mm-hmm. and and I thought that that was telling. So hopefully that leadership continues, but you know we know that we'll have a friend in City Hall. Okay, all right, Queensborough President Donovan Richards. We have a lot more we could get to, but we're we're going to have to leave it there for for this conversation, and we'll talk to you more down the line. But uh, but thanks for taking the time. Thank you so much, Ben. Great to see you. Thank you. All right, you too.